Hey, this is Gary. This is Mike. And Daniel. We're not professionals. We're just three addicts sharing our experiences, strength, and hope regarding recovery. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to other addicts and to practice these principles in our lives. Welcome to another episode of the 12th Step Podcast. This is Gary. This is Mike. And this is Daniel. Guys, we have we have a couple of questions from one of our listeners. They call themselves G. And the question they have is, is uh, they have a desire to, they would like to know more about changing your rituals. I need to figure out all of my rituals um, and how to change them so they do not trigger trigger the desire in or triggered the desires in me to act out or to go forward or things like that. Uh, just a quick question there. So let's talk a little bit about, first of all, how to identify rituals and um, why that is important and then what you need to do to change them or, or the importance of, of changing them. Do I, I have, great I, question. yeah, that's, it's a, that's a great question. I, I will tell you that the the word rituals um, confuses me some. I'm gonna I'm gonna if if, if you don't mind I'm gonna change the words to habits. Okay. Or, uh, routines, even if we go with that's r- also routines, a very good both word. Both of those work better, yeah. Uh, because rituals typically is something assigned or connected to a religious function or belief. Right. And and I don't uh, I I don't want to go down a path of suggesting changing. You know, religious beliefs as a result of you know, through the, as a result of addictive behavior or any of those right. things. So I'm I'm going to move the words to to uh, habits or or um, um, routines, right. something along the lines. that. That okay. works. That works perfectly. And in the interest of full disclosure, I think the word the word ritual came from a conversation I had with this person about identifying the ritualization step of your addiction cycle. Oh, I mean, it does fit yeah. with mm-hmm. addiction terminology. I mean, for me, I had to sit down and say, okay. And this happened because I had to do uh, uh, several different relapse chains. Mm-hmm. And What's a relapse chain for those who might not know? Well, great. Now that, yeah, it's been a while since we've talked about that. So basically a relapse chain is a tool that I learned in the SAA group that came out of the Recovery One. No. Yes. No, it was out of the... Sh- it was the Facing, Facing the, Shadows, the Shadows, the very first book, excuse me, Facing the Shadows book. And what it does is when you, you have a relapse, you start with the relapse, and then you slowly break down um, the feelings and the behaviors leading up to that event. You keep working back as far as you can mm-hmm. to what started that cascade down. And because of that, I was able to find those moments of uh, habit or routine or ritualization that let eventually led me there. Mm-hmm. You know, some of those were, um, you know, I, I know we, we've talked about it where it would be, I did certain behaviors, uh, at the time, whether that was, uh, you know, I just, I went days without, you know, taking a shower or right. brushing my teeth or, you know, and then suddenly I would take a shower and dress up not really nice um, and then, you know, I would go off down that tangent. Uh, other ones were, would be where, um, you know, I'd be really in a cranky mood and instead of talking about it, I'd just be shut down and just let that build and build right. instead of addressing, Hey, 
you know, that thing you did last week, it really bugged me. Can we talk about it? Mm-hmm. You know, and then I'd get to a point where I was justified because I was continuing to, because I was so angry. I was seeing every negative thing everyone else was doing. It right. just fueled that fire. For and, me. I, and I think it's a pretty common experience that, you know, I've done relapse chains myself. I know Mike has done some. And I think it's a pretty common experience for anybody who does one that they find out that the events that led up to the relapse or, or engaging in the activity actually were preceded by days or weeks or even months leading up to this. Yeah. It definitely wasn't like something that happened two or three minutes before Mm -hmm. it was something way down the the line that definitely that fueled that. And you really had to write it down Mm -hmm. to, and and take it step by step back and and identify this was the behavior I did. What was I thinking in that moment? Mm Mm-hmm. Why did why was that okay to do in that moment? And then keep going back until you got to the bottom of it. Yeah, I mean, for example, uh, one of my biggest relapses, actually my last relapse, um, when I worked that back, led back to a point in March of 2017. Wow! Uh, it was just something that after a moment of intimacy that my ex-wife had said to me that really profoundly hurt me and it just spiraled me down. And all the other relapses that I had in between that all connected to that one point. Interesting. Mike, you got anything? I do. Yeah. I I kind of, I, I broke this, uh, the changing of this word ritual to changing my beliefs and my behaviors. And so I want to address both of those individually. Some of the beliefs that I had to really focus on was, and I remember you, Gary, sharing this with me, uh, inquiring very early on, is what is it that sex means to me, the very act of sex? What is that? What have I hung on that very act? Uh, and, and had to rethink, what does it mean to me? What, what, uh, what this very act of sex and, and wanting sex and all of that's associated with it what, is it, what have I hung on that as being, oh, my word, this is really important? And, it, and I came to find out that it was a piece of my identity. I used to tell my wife that, in the absence of sex, sex was this indicator to me that we were in an okay marriage. And uh, that was completely incorrect, completely wrong. And so we had to unpack some of that for mm-hmm. me, had to work through what that actually meant. One of the other beliefs then associated with that is if, if my wife says no, what if she <laughs> said, no, I'm not interested in having sex with you tonight. I'm just simply not interested. Then what does that mean to me? And had to unpack that. What is uh what is she saying? Does that mean she's rejecting me as a human? Does that mean she doesn't love me anymore? All of those sorts of things that that uh, I had to change my beliefs about and had to do an awful lot of work around that. I had to understand, first of all, what got me to that place that I would believe that it was what it was. And then I had to say, well, wait, I need some healthy beliefs associated with these particular things. So that's the first thing. The second thing then has to do with behaviors. Um, and then perhaps that's what this individual uh, in reaching out to you specifically, Gary, is, is saying. What, what, I need to change some of the things that I get involved with to, to stop heading down this rat hole. And I will tell you in my own circumstance, uh, I had a routine. My, and I didn't know this, but uh, whenever I hopped on my phone and I started a specific sports page, oftentimes it was ESPN, and I would start looking at the sports, uh, the, just the block scores of what's going on with specific teams. I didn't know this, but my mind already knew where I would end up. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you a question before you. I, I want you to continue this story, but uh, give me give me an example of some of the the feelings or thoughts that would make you hop on to your to your to look up your st- stuff. 
I, I just thought it was, uh, I, well, one of the specific beliefs that I had was is that I can control this, right? So that's another mm -hmm. belief that I had to change. Uh, but coming back to this behavior then is is that I, I thought it was a very benign thing. Mm -hmm. I just simply thought, hey, I, I like to pay attention to what's going on with sports, but there was a very specific routine of sites that I would go to. There were apps on my phone, and I had to literally delete some of those apps and change the way I looked at news and everything else. Um, and then I had to literally remove the internet from my phone. So when we talk about changing behaviors, it may mean putting some sorts of stop in there to, to make certain that we can't go down the paths that we, that we normally would go. I always started with the sports page. Mm -hmm. I would start there, then I would move to the news, and I would move from the news looking at stories specifically associated with uh, 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 stories about sex in the news, people that were arrested, people that were whatever. All of those things fed my, uh, fed what I needed to be fed such that I would move on and ultimately end up uh, in an acting out behavior, looking at something that would be inappropriate. Right. So when this person says change behaviors, those are the very things that, uh, uh, that I needed to do. And in answer to your question, I don't know what, I don't know what motivated me there. It was more of, I don't know that I saw it as being, oh my word, I'm going to go act out. I think what I saw it as is, is that, hey, I've got complete control over this. I'm just going to go read the sports page. But my mind then took over. It's like driving home mm -hmm. one afternoon and not even knowing that I got home. Right. Right. It, it, my mind just my mind just acts. I know where I'm going to get off the freeway. I know where I'm going to get on the freeway. And all of that just happens, even though my mind is a million miles away. Right. My body just knows what to do. And that's what happened in my situation. Yeah, I remember. And and I would say that, that a lot of the, you know, when you and I working together, some of the things that, that you've pointed out to me in the past would be things like, um, oh, I just needed to take a break mm -hmm. or I was bored. Yes. Or I, you know, work was stressing me out. So I just needed a, I need or work or life or kids or whatever it was. I just need to take a break and, and, and start this well and, and that may have been true yeah but it, it's amazing how well we train our brain or our mind that but it this knows is the way to solve that it, it knows yeah. okay you know yes he's checking out but in the past this is a we've always started here and we've always ended up here you know point a we've always ended at point b mm -hmm. so this is you know this is kind of a sub you know a subtle hint to our brain okay mm -hmm. even you know i i, I need you to get me here you know, even though that was not maybe our original intent, we just wanted to look at the news. Right. But that pathway every, you know, day after day, year after year is when I start at point A, you get me to point B. Yeah. So our brain just does that. You know, like you mentioned, you know, I'm just driving home, you know, and my brain automatically knows which off ramp to get off, what light to turn at and everything. It just, it does it. I've, I've shared this on, on the podcast before, but I'll go ahead and, and bring it up again. I had a, I had a morning I had a morning routine uh, for preparing myself for the day. You know, the order that I would take a shower or shave, uh, brush my teeth, comb my hair, do all of this kind of stuff, right? And then I realized, and this happened early in my recovery, that, you know, um, I would I would get up and I would get ready for the day and then I'd go drop my kid off to, uh, to school or daycare or whatever it was. And then suddenly I'd be hit with this overwhelming urge of, oh, I, you know, and I thought, my gosh, what's going on? Why, why am I so... Worked up. Worked up. Why yeah. am I so activated right now? What's happened? Because I didn't see anything. I didn't, mm -hmm. you know, I hadn't done anything and, and it was confusing me. But when I broke it down, I had to do, I, I actually did one of those 
relapse change to kind of try to figure out if there was something that was going on. I was backing it up to see what I was doing. It turned out that the process that I was using to get ready, that that order mm-hmm. that I was doing in, um, was the same one that I would do when I would get ready to go, you know, see a prostitute or one of these people, I would get myself ready in the same order. And then I realized, oh my gosh, it's just like you were saying, my mind is saying, oh, we're at point A yep, and we're, we know where we're going. Yep. And so the way that I had to, I had to identify that, recognize that that's what it was doing. And then I had to change the way that I got myself ready in the morning Correct. to break that up and to make something new. Yeah, so I mean that goes back to his question. You know, how do I change it? I mean, the first key is to identify mm-hmm. what it is that's triggering you or getting right. you uh, worked up, and then change that behavior by finding something positive, something different. I mean, mm-hmm. even changing the routine. You know, maybe you put your pants on first and then the shirt, but now you do the shirt first and then the pants. Yeah, and th- that might sound silly, but that's really in, in Mike's case. He had to take it uh, take and. Uh, take the internet off of his phone yeah in fact i yeah and when i you know i was so worried about some of that stuff when i first started my recovery when i came out of the hospital after my suicide attempt i had to change my phone number i i changed my phone number and i got rid of and i got a you know because i i just couldn't deal with any of that yeah there was too much i just had to to make a clean cut of all of it and move forward. So. It's interesting you, you bring up some of those things. Uh, one of the rituals that I, well, one of the one of the behaviors and, and beliefs that I went through, I, I don't sleep well at night. And when I don't sleep, I, I start thinking about uh, the job and, and my particular things that I'm supposed to have gotten uh, you know, resolved for clients and didn't. And then I start thinking about, you know, they're going to be angry. And I start stressing, and so it would be two or three o'clock in the morning, and I would start stressing about those particular things, which always led me to uh, this this dear dear friend that would instantly interject in my mind these thoughts um, that hey, you know what if uh, I can I can distract you from these particular stresses that you're having in your life, and so it would be this uh, this constant battle. By the time my wife woke up at six or seven o'clock, I'd start thinking about getting ready to go to work. Um, I'm feeling amorous. I'm feeling. Uh, I'm feeling amped up. I'm feeling uh, uh, like, wow, I should have sex because sex I knew would relieve this stress that I was experiencing. Right. And and so w- the next thing was is to ask my wife, well, let's have sex. Well, there, how successful is that going to be? She's got to get ready to go for work, and now we're stressed and worried about that particular thing. So it was very unsuccessful. We knew full well. I knew full well, at least in the back of my mind, that that. Uh, um, that there's no possible way that would be successful. So I would get a no. I would automatically get a no, which would give me then the anger to take me to the next place. Right. So immediately I would drive to work. I would drive to work and I would start looking for my outlet. I need to have, and I would make up this this sort of story constantly in my mind that I'm, wow, I'm all worked up. I can't function. I can't breathe. I can't do this. I can't do that unless I go get uh, I, I go see a prostitute, or I go to a massage parlor, or I go do something like that that will help me, and that's how my that's how my routine went very often. Um, so I had to build in some changes around all of that, the beliefs associated with well, what was Lisa saying when when she would say no? Well, well, clearly, Mike, there's no possible way that was going to be successful. She had to get to work, and so what's your belief around sex when she does say no? It's not that you're a piece of crap. It's to say that. Now is not a good time. Right. I had to change that particular issue. 
uh, and and not to get angry, right? I mean, that was the biggest thing too, was to realize is that look, just because she said no right now doesn't mean no for the rest of my life. Right. It means no right now, and so I had to remove the anger out of that. All of that stuff had to be broken down, and changes had to be implemented and made such that I could be successful in overcoming that, because that was a that's a very standard uh, routine that I would experience uh, through much of my addictive behavior. Right. You know, I had a, uh, I had a repeating cycle, uh, that, uh, was a year long. Hmm. It was a year long and, 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 and I recognized it one Halloween. <laughs> this is an embarrassing story. I hate telling this story. Um, but I came home, came home one day and my wife had gotten, uh, the monster cereals. She, it's just okay. something that she's done since a kid, but I looked at the monster cereals and here they are. Here they are all lined up on the thing. And I, I found it kind of activating. I thought, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm in a really bad place if Count Chocula is doing it for me. What's going on? <laughs> What's the thing? And, and do, you know what it, do you know what it turned out to be? It, was, it was the season. I had so sexualized oh, Halloween, Halloween. Okay. that the, and I had associated, because we only ever had those cereals mm-hmm. with, Hall- uh, with Halloween. Halloween. So I came home and I saw those and it immediately was, oh, it's Halloween. Well, and to be and, fair, I mean, society has kind of sexualized well, Of course Halloween. they have. I mean, they've, they've hypersexualized yeah. it, and that's fair. But I did. But once I discovered that, I asked myself, okay, I wonder if there are other patterns yeah. or other behaviors that look that way, and there were. Mm-hmm. Turns out that every time there was the new year, I would make a resolution not to act out, and then, and then, you know, and then I followed this pattern. Okay, I would have New Year's, and then I'd go for a couple of weeks, and then I'd, I'd hit it really hard or whatever, yeah. you know, have a big relapse when my... A, a, a addictive cycle was thing. And then I immediately after that um, was my anniversary. So I'd use that as a new start. And then my birthday was after that. And I'd use that as a new start. So I had these three, uh, oh, I have this chance to start over. Oh, I have this chance mm-hmm. to start over. Oh, I have this chance to start over. And I would follow that pattern. So I found out that, that uh, most of my really, really heavy acting out and self-loathing happened in the beginning of the year when I had those three gotcha. restarts because, because I got in the habit of, oh, I'll, I'll, Get it all out of my system one last time. Yeah. And and then I'll have this restart. And then, nope, that's okay because I got another restart. And and then I had to recognize that. And I didn't I didn't recognize that as a, a, a pattern in my addictive behavior until I broke that all down. And it took me a while to figure out that it's like, oh, my gosh, there are certain times of year that I have done this for the last 16 years that I need to, to address. So, I mean, that leads up to a good question because um, he's asking for how do I change this. I, I'm assuming your wife still is getting the cereal. So how oh, did you, yeah. Yeah, so how did you change that to, to make it better? Because do, you, it, do you know, well, first of all, in that particular instance, um, now keep in, keep in mind, you know, I hadn't, I would feel I would feel the activating events. I'd feel triggered, but I didn't act out. I would just mm-hmm. kind of reach out and I would work my way through it and I didn't realize exactly what was going on. But it was about 2 or 3 years into my recovery that it had happened again and then mm-hmm. it happened. And then by the, by the next Halloween season it was like, "Oh, cuz I had enough yeah. recovery stuff that I could recognize they're okay. I see what's going on." So in that situation, once I recognized what it was I was dealing with and what was happening, it was actually pretty easy to deal with. And by that time, I had some really good tools about assigning new memories or, or, or doing different things or, or just knowing how to change things up. So, you know, like one of the things is the, the nature of the, 
Halloween decorations in my home changed. You know, they were, they're, they're, they're more suitable to like a five-year-old kindergarten class now than something that was really, I don't know, spooky or whatever. Okay. You know, you see what I mean? It yeah. was just, it just, there was a, a big enough change. It was a big enough change that it made it different. And then I worked very uh, deliberately to, to change the meaning of things. But I will tell you, I don't celebrate Halloween anywhere near the level that I used to. That's I mean, too bad. <laughs> it's more of a it's more of a grandkid or or kid kind of an event. Yeah, facilitating their fun than me dressing up and and indulging in a lot of fantasy fantasy based yeah. thinking kind of stuff. So okay, can I just say can mm-hmm. I just say that I never get tired of hearing those stories? And part of the reason for me is this is because it represents the fact that you did a, a just a tremendous amount of work around. Uh, something you, you recognized immediately that something was activating you and you spent the time necessary to figure that out. And that never gets old to me. Uh, I don't know why that is, but it just doesn't. It, uh, uh, whenever anybody shares a, uh, a story of recovery that, that enables them to discover for themselves and in their own life what's bringing them to this place, that's a, that's a monumental step forward in the path of recovery. And, and I think about that. I've heard that story countless times, and I, and I just never get tired of hearing it. I just never do because I don't know that anybody thinks about their own lives enough to recognize the fact that there are cycles associated with this. There are years of, of you know, there's one month, two months, three months, six months, whatever. However many times during the month or however often it comes around, once a time a year where that all of a sudden activates you, and now you know why. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a monstrous big deal. That's a monstrous big deal. When we start understanding the cycles to what it is that we're experiencing and why would we be getting amped up at a point in time like this, uh, and then start unpacking all of that to find answers to our own lives, that's a that's a big deal. Yeah, that's just and, a real big deal. And when you realize that they can be seemingly unrelated and exactly. separ- and separated by weeks or whatever, you, you know, from the time that it in fact I, I at doing this work, I realized that um, activating events or triggering events, like during my recovery, that I that I rarely needed to worry about it the day that I saw it. Mm-hmm. It was always two or three days later. Yeah, that that it would hit me after the initial shock of it had worn off, and and you know what I mean. And then I would get a hold of it, and and uh, but yeah, and that was a that's a pattern. And once I recognized that pattern, that became really really useful because then I could say, oh. This happened at me to work today, and you know I'm fine right at the moment. But I know myself well enough that in two or three days, that's when it's that's when it's going to hit me. Yeah, I mean th- that first day is the impact point, yeah. and then the shock wave mm-hmm. that rides out. Um, you know, and that's the great thing about recovery is you know you start becoming accustomed to living a life of introspection, mm-hmm. identifying things. You know, it's not just wow, I know everything immediately. You know, throughout weeks, months, years later, you're going to identify things like, wow, okay, there's that thing. Now I know. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now I can make a change. And, you know, that's one thing I would say to any of our listeners that, you know, you're not going to know everything at once. Don't beat yourself up for it. This comes with time. The more you learn uh, and the more tools you get, the more likely you're going to be able to identify more and more things that have been triggers for you mm-hmm. in the past. And you're going to know how to handle them a lot better yeah. than you used to. And it was really, really useful also to recognize that, you know, something would happen 
like it was stressing me out or, you know, well, you can, you, you know, uh, addiction is a, uh, a disease of escape, but yeah. we use it to escape stresses or, or any of those kind of yeah. things. But it was very, very useful to recognize that when something was stressing me out, whether it was work or, or whatever it was to recognize that I would then like Mike illustrated so beautifully with his story, begin this pattern of behavior that would make it possible for me to go do this thing. And, and sometimes it was separated enough that it didn't even look like that it was related. You know, mm-hmm. I could be having problems with my kids or my spouse or whatever it was. And I would begin this cycle. I'd begin this pattern of behavior that would lead to me just wanting so badly to go act out and then justifying my, myself doing that. Yeah. And it didn't matter what the source was. Yeah. Was lots of, I remember multiple times calling you, uh, uh, calling you over things that were seemingly unrelated. I remember a specific circumstance where I'd called you on the phone. I remember I was climbing on an elevator and I just had a screaming session with a client regarding a bill that they'd owed me for some period of time. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, and I remember being just completely amped up and, uh, I, I take that back. I think it was, I'd had a, as we started to talk about the fact that I was amped up, I remember the fact that I'd had this screaming session with this client a couple of days before, because I think one of the very first things you talked to me about was, okay, so you're in this particular spot right now. What has happened in the last 24 to 48 hours? And what I found was, is that I, as I start, as I start getting emotionally involved and engaged in, in some of the work that I get involved with, or if I start, if I start uh, getting angry at somebody, my children, my wife, whatever the case may be, all of those behaviors caused me to want to be in a place of acting out behavior. I remember also a time when I called you on the phone. <laughs> hey, I've just had this dispute with my wife. I'm furious. And your first response was, go say, go say you're sorry. Well, wait, I didn't say anything wrong. Yeah, but that's not what it's about, Mike. You know, do you remember that conversation? I do. I, those, those are all uh, interesting uh, perspectives when we start to realize that if this is really is a disease of escape, and in my particular universe, uh, being angry or being worked up or being uh, uh, restless or any of those emotions that I'm experiencing um, that are negative means that I, it puts me in a position where I want to act out. And so just just go resolve it, Mike. Just go deal with it because if you don't, you're going to find yourself wanting to act out, and you and you may not have the you may not have the stamina to withstand something like that. Right. That was great insight. I remember those circumstances. Now that you bring those up, that's that's amazing. So I never get tired of those stories. I really don't. Those are those are true recovery stories where people have done the work to figure out what's going on in their world. Well, all right. Maybe I won't feel so bad when I share it. I don't, I don't think that one. <laughs> just, just more book do, content. Do, I know, right? Do, I, do you know what is so strange? Of of all the things that I willingly share, oh, I don't know why that's the one that embarrasses me. <laughs> it's so strange. That's okay. All right. It's weird I'll, to think the box of cocoa puffs activated you. That's, that's really it, that's why. No, that's I, no not cocoa puffs. Yeah, it was choco. It, 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 no, oh, it was Count Chocula, Chocula guys. Can, come yeah, on, Count Chocula. Yeah, that says it tells you how many times I've had those boxes of cereal. Well, you know. Any, any, uh, uh, we're just about out of time. Do you guys have any last thoughts? Uh, just, just thank you for this individual reaching out. Um, I, it's an indication that they're thinking through their own circumstance and their own universe and trying to understand how these behaviors are affecting them. And, 
and what possible insights could they obtain from from spot, uh, speaking to somebody and what and, and recognizing that they need to make some changes in their life that's that's fantastic that's great stuff yeah i mean for me the only thing i want to add is you know just how grateful i am you know and i'm sure the two of us or the three of us excuse me uh can you know attest to this you know just how grateful i am that we have listeners you know, around the world that now feel comfortable enough to be vulnerable with us to address and feel safe enough to uh, address uh, these issues that they're experiencing. It, it's re- really been wonderful. I mean, we started this well over two years ago at this point, and people are, you know, the emails are kind of coming in quite frequently. Yeah. And it's nice to hear from people when it's a first-time email. It's nice to hear from people that are sent like Adam uh, from several episodes ago that had sent in more than one email. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just really great to see how our 12th step um, contribution is helping others, and their they're reaching out is also helping other people yeah. as well. All right, I guess my closing thought is, <clears throat> excuse me, um, gee, you did a fantastic job recognizing that there are patterns or rituals that, that you uh, need to identify. And I'm grateful that Daniel pointed out the very useful tool of the, the relapse, mm-hmm. relapse chain where you can identify, you know, when you recognize that you're, you're having one of these moments that you feel like you need to act out or that you're going to go do whatever, that you back that up and find out what it is, what it is that has activated me or triggered me and then deal with whatever that is. So... And that's going to take some work. You'll probably have to sit down and write it down. You're probably going to have to go through that process several times because you probably have, if you're anything like the rest of us, you'll have things that can happen just like that. You'll have things that take a year. Yes. So, and everything in between. So with that, uh, again, thank you everybody for listening and thank you for reaching out to us. And this is Gary telling you to do the next right thing. And this is Mike saying, do the work necessary to find the peace that recovery can bring. And this is Daniel saying, find the humility in your recovery. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you like this episode, please give us a five-star rating on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find us. As a fellowship of recovering addicts, Sex Addicts Anonymous offers a message of hope to anyone who suffers from sex addiction. Check out saa-recovery.org.